Welcome to the MCG Podcast Radio Network. Today is Thursday, February 1st, 2018. My name is Snapper Plone. I am a Digital Marketing Manager with MCG Health in Seattle, Washington, and I'm joined by Dr. William Rifkin, MCG's Managing Editor and Physician Relations Specialist. So welcome, Dr. Rifkin, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you. My pleasure. So as some people know, in November 2017, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, which is also known as CMS, announced that total knee arthroplasty will be taken off the Medicare IPO list this year. Now, this has generated a lot of questions from MCG clients as well as other healthcare organizations about what practical impact this will have. For the benefit of those listeners who are not aware, let's start with the basics. So what is the Medicare IPO list and how often are changes made to it? The Medicare inpatient-only list is a, is a list of CPT procedures, so it's specific codes that CMS has decided they will only reimburse for if it's performed on an inpatient basis. So the, the practicality of it is that patients who are having, Medicare patients who are having a procedure that's on the list have to be admitted as inpatients in order for payment to be made. They, the process of how they make this list is very complicated, all types of committees. It is amended once a year. So each year there's some additions and subtractions from the list. So why was TKA taken off the list this year? It was, in CMS's own words, uh, they took it off the list because they believed or their committees believed or their consultants believed that some patients can undergo a total knee arthroplasty on an outpatient basis. Um, A very commonly confused aspect of this is that something something that's on the inpatient-only list, you have to be an inpatient to get paid. If something is off the list, like most procedures, it doesn't mean you have to do it as an outpatient. Uh, in fact, maybe something we can talk about a little bit later, CMS is fairly clear about this point that uh, something being taken off the list just means that it's a possibility that some patients uh, can have this procedure performed on an outpatient basis. Another important aspect of this is that um, Medicare has another list. Um, that's, I don't know the official name of it, and I don't know as much about how that is all created, but there's also a list of procedures for which they will reimburse if the procedure is done in an ambulatory surgical center. So, you know, really outpatient. A day case somewhere outside a hospital is being done uh, completely in an ambulatory surgical care center, total knee arthroplasty is not on that list. So the discussion, the, the debate, the options here are hospital-based inpatient or still a hospital-based outpatient procedure. So what about total hip arthroplasty, which is THA? Is that on the list? So that is a very common question because in in many areas these things seem to travel together. In this case, the answer is no, that the um, total hip, all the codes that, CPT codes that pertain to total hip arthroplasty are still on the inpatient-only list, which reminds me to to mention that um, individual codes are put on or off the list, not the whole procedure per se. So, for example, in total knee arthroplasty, the vast majority of procedures are indeed uh, the code in question, 27447, total knee arthroplasty. The vast majority of patients who have this procedure, it's that code. 
There are other codes associated with this procedure, mostly revision codes, and there's a code for a whole different type of uh, prosthesis that is very rarely used. So the, this has nothing to do with those revision codes, for example. Those are still on the list and nothing has changed. It is this, only this code that's been moved off the list. The reason the total hip arthroplasty would be still on the list and total knee arthroplasty or the main code associated with total knee arthroplasty would be off the list is that in their judgment, in CMS's judgment, um, total knee arthroplasty can be done in some patients, a selected group of patients as an outpatient. That has not been their determination for total hip arthroplasty. They, they have not concluded that there's evidence to support outpatient total hip, so that's why that one is still on the list. So what are the ramifications of total knee arthroplasty being taken off the IPO list? Well, the, the main impact this will have, uh, especially for providers, is something that used to not be a decision, you know, the, the level of care that we are doing this procedure uh, uh, at is, is now a decision. It could be inpatient or it could be hospital-based outpatient. This is not unusual. There's many, many procedures where this decision and this, this, this justification is made all the time. It does mean that it's not automatically assumed that this is an inpatient. So um, as we might talk about in a little bit, the criteria for which patients are appropriate for outpatients are, are rather stringent. So it's not expected to be a large group of patients. But when performing a procedure, this procedure, the medical record will have to have documentation as to why this is expected to cross two midnights. So the two midnight rule is still applicable for this. In the vast majority of total knee patients, this is not a very difficult thing to do. It's very clear that the expectation is going to be at least two midnights of care, and you know that is that. Um, on a related issue, CMS has, has in the regulations and in the uh, notice about removing this code, CMS has stated that RAC auditors will be prohibited from reviewing total knee arthroplasty patients for medical justification for inpatient. That, you know, the wording is that CMS expects this to be a, a fluid situation with institutions developing criteria could be using our criteria, for example, in order to select which patients are appropriate for this, and that it might not be very many patients at all in the beginning, and so therefore, this is not going to be part of the RAC review for two years. Having said that, um, they specify the RAC reviewers and auditors. They don't specify all reviewers and auditors. So, for example, the QIO organizations may still be looking at this. Um, other auditors may be looking at this. Again, this is only for Medicare patients. But like I said before, in the vast majority of total knee uh, arthroplasty patients, establishing that they need to be inpatient uh, is, is not difficult. I mean, you know, it could just be a simple matter of saying, you know, subsequent to this procedure, the patient is expected to require more than two midnights of 
inpatient care for rehabilitation and pain control, or, you know, whatever the case may be, and, and that's it. it you know, it's not, there's not going to be a high burden of proof because, in fact, the vast majority are going to be inpatient. So did anything change in the MCG care guidelines from the 21st to the upcoming 22nd edition in response to TKA being removed from the list? So that's a very good question. And um, the, answer, the short answer is yes. Um, in the 22nd edition, as people who use our content with any regularity know that in guidelines for a procedure where the goal length of stay is ambulatory or an inpatient, you know, one day, two days, three days, for those guidelines, we include content called the operative status criteria, which helps users determine, well, gee, which patients are in the ambulatory pile and which patients are best treated as an inpatient. That content for total knee arthroplasty has been significantly increased uh, in amount and specificity. To lay that out a little bit more detail, the operative status criteria for total knee arthroplasty makes very clear, especially in the associated annotation and footnote. They both say the same thing because we were so uh, keen to make sure everybody was able to access this. The operative status criteria makes very clear that the evidence base, the, the evidence supporting outpatient total knee is not huge. We cite the two main sources. One of them is much larger than the other. And patients treated in this manner are treated, first of all, by a minimally invasive procedure. Most of them were under the age of 65. So to some degree, this becomes a moot question for most Medicare patients in terms of the evidence in the base and using our criteria set. In almost all cases, our criteria set would conclude inpatient for, for patients over 65. The, the, probably the, the, the more difficult area of the operative status criteria to get a hold of and to sort of be able to explain succinctly is that the evidence shows that patients who are treated as an outpatient are treated as, through use of a very comprehensive preoperative, perioperative, postoperative care pathway. This is not you snap your fingers and tomorrow you decide to do PKAs as an, as an outpatient. It's actually just the opposite, that all types of systems and preoperative checks and period, you know, it had to be a certain type of anesthesia. It was, these were done under local anesthesia. Patients preoperatively met with social workers and case managers, so everything could be set up, and everybody was assured that postoperatively, you know, the patient was going to a safe environment. They were able to get to their rehab, and you know, that sort of thing is all sorted out ahead of time. And of course, postoperatively, there is a, you know, very intense outpatient rehabilitation program. And, you know, so the, the, what we try to include in our content is all this detail so that users, whether they be payers or providers, can understand that at least clinically, this group of patients that can have it as an outpatient is a relatively small group of patients and it's rather specialized situations that this will be possible. Um, we, we include all this content precisely to support users saying, well, just because they took it off the list doesn't mean that 
you know, 85% of my total knee patients are now going to be outpatients. You know, and our content should help support that position that, you know, if there's these conditions are met, maybe it can be outpatient. But it's, it's certainly the burden of proof, if you will, is on showing that outpatient is appropriate, not on showing inpatient is appropriate. The impact on the guidelines is this operative status criteria section is, is, is more comprehensive and more detailed than it was in the previous edition. There has not been a change in the goal length of stay. The goal length of stay of uh, total knee arthroplasty was a or two days, ambulatory or two days in the 21st edition, and it is ambulatory or two days in the 22nd edition. Sort of as can be seen by what I discussed previously with the operative status criteria, in general, the evidence base hasn't changed very much year to year. It crossed some threshold for Medicare to decide that this patient doesn't that this procedure doesn't necessarily have to be performed on an inpatient basis, but it, it, certainly there was no change such that our our goal length of stay would change. Um, it, it, was ambulatory in the 21st edition because, again, th there was some evidence that in very specialized situations it can be done, um, just that that section has been beefed up for the 22nd edition around the expectation that many more people are going to be interested in that question than have been previously. Is there anything you want to say in conclusion to kind of sum up this topic? I, I think in a nutshell, the issue with total knee arthroplasty is that um, it has been taken off the inpatient-only list. This list applies to Medicare patients, and being off the inpatient-only list doesn't mean the procedure has to be done as an outpatient. That's probably the most important message, is that taking something off the inpatient-only list does not imply that Medicare will only reimburse it now as, as an outpatient. In fact, for this procedure, as, as I've discussed, it is anticipated that in the beginning, this is going to be a relatively small group of patients that are going to meet the rather stringent criteria for, in this example, our uh, criteria for being able to have the procedure as, on an outpatient basis. So what might change is now it's now there is the need to acknowledge that there is a choice it could be ambulatory, it could be inpatient. So unlike total hip, where there isn't really a, a, a debate out there, and at least from Medicare's point of view, it, there is no real need to justify inpatient status, for total knee now, there is that need. That, that need can be met rather easily by documenting somewhere in the initial notes and, and, and plan uh, that the physician writes that we anticipate that this patient postoperatively is going to need care that, that uh, crosses at least two midnights. They don't have to say how many. They don't have to guess. They can just say, you know, more than two. And that would, that would be an A+. Plus. I mean, that would be making it very, very obvious for any reviewer that you did this. I mean, that, that is, that's, that's A-plus material is if you can have them write a sentence like that. Short of that, it, it, it also can be seen as satisfactory if, if the note in sum is painting a picture of a patient who's going to need care crossing that amount of time. You know, they're going to be on uh, 
patient-controlled anesthesia. We anticipate taking it off the day after that. And so it's very clear that they're going to stay a longer period of time. But if if an institution is concerned about these reviews, and again, the RACs won't be reviewing this anytime soon in the next two years, but other agencies might be, and in any event, it's, it's probably good to get into the right habit around this, is to just include something along the lines of the sentence that the expectation is that care will cross to midnight because we're going to be doing this, this, and this, and that's it, and that would be satisfactory. All right. Well, thank you, Dr. Rifkin, and thanks for keeping us up to date on what's happening with the Medicare IPO list. Thank you. My pleasure. To note for our listeners, MCG is the gold standard in care guidance for the healthcare industry. Eight of the largest U.S. health plans and over 1,700 hospitals use our evidence-based content and software solutions to increase the efficiency of healthcare delivery and improve the patient journey. MCG also integrates with nearly all of the leading EMR platforms and is utilized by government-contracted entities such as Max, Rex, and BFCC QIOs to ensure that tax dollars are being used to deliver quality care. If you'd like to learn more about us or find out more about our guidelines and software solutions, visit our website at www.mcg.com and click Contact Us, or you can call 1-888-464-4746. Thank you for joining us today.